previously on the Soundless Serum. Do you know anything about the druid that has been influencing your people? His name is Berlach. He came with a proposal to use us as his own personal mercenaries. He lives in the garden. He nurtures it. As something seems to have been calling him. It seems that this is another journal by the daughter of Alaganthorn, the draconic cultist. She was intent on doing something with the Dark Warden. We could go back and check out the cavern. I am inclined to agree. Seeing the cavernous entrance, and that's where you guys are going in to leave no stone unturned. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storytellers Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descent into the dungeon, or is there a darker calamity taking roots far from the sun's reach? Well, friends, how should we go about this? Should we stealth or charge in? Uh, I suppose it's it's quite dark in there, so we would need torches, but that might lose the element of surprise, so it's up to whatever you decide. Unfortunately, I'm not blessed with dark vision like the rest of you, so if we, if we choose to go without torches, I might need someone to guide me. I think that maybe we should just go in cautiously, but I think I'd prefer if we had a torch from Mortis. Alright then, let's light a torch and head in. With a torch lit, you guys then start to make your way inside of this cavern. It is rough ground in rock wall, until you guys make what seems to be the path snaking further into the natural cave. I have a question. Right ahead. Since I've been here before, do I recognize this chasm in any sort of way, or is this all like something that's new and was made after? This seems that it was something completely new. In addition, you do not think that this cave was man-made in some way. It feels more like, as the sunlesses that I know, descended into the earth. It encompassed natural caves that somehow connected to the Thomas that I know. Cool. After a few moments of traversing into this cave, you guys notice that there is light emanating from a little bit ahead. As you guys are approaching gingerly, now noticing that there is light, Methuselah, you hear what seems to be a voice from further down the path. 
It's in common, but very rough common. And it's saying somewhat the following, even though it's difficult to hear because it's a bit muffled. No, heisty. That bite havoc. Yeah. Alright, good. Now, your turn. I'll say that when Methuselah hears the voice, they're gonna stop everyone and be like, I think there's someone ahead. Well, um, should we try to approach more quietly? Maybe one of us could go ahead and take a look. Well, Thorn did last time, so maybe I could go this time. If you feel comfortable, I don't mind going with you if you need help. I, I think I'll be okay. It might be better if just one of us went, you know? And I'll, I'll come back. I'll come right back. All right. Be safe, my friend. As you guys are talking, whispering still, but talking, you do hear the voice saying, Bite! Bite! Someone's coming. I think, at least for Morris, he's just going to look at the closest place to him and just try to hide. Methuselah's going to look to Thorn and say, Snuff out the light, just for now. Right, okay. And Thorn's going to place the torch on the ground and snuff it out with dirt. Can we do stealth checks? Please go right ahead. 25. 16. 19. 10. <laughs> Hide well, but there's no movement, no approach. After a few moments of quiet, you guys just hear the rough voice. All of you. Alright. I know someone is there. I heard the voices. No one approaches my place. No goblin. No cobalt. Nobody visits Burlus. Approach! If you know what's good for you, you drop your weapons, and I'll bring you to the outcast. Unharmed. Thorn nervously glances at everyone. Mortis can't see it because he doesn't have the dark vision, but Thorn looks very nervous. This person does seem to be in league with the outcast, so I don't know if maybe taking down this person might help thwart the druid's plans in any way. Maybe we could get some kind of information out of them. I like that. My blade is at the ready. I say we charge in. Okay. What do you guys do? I'd say that we're gonna go into the room to fight. Can I say that Seeker was already just outside the room because they did say that they were gonna scout ahead. You, I would say that you're closer. Okay, cool. So you guys were already approaching stealthily as Borluz was talking. You guys charge in, weapons in hand, and what you see is an opening towards this natural cave. All around you, closer to the walls, but some in the middle of the room as well. There are boxes and packages and wrapped up things looks like loot a good chunk of it very similar to what you guys saw within the goblin village alas behind what it is a brazier with some food on spikes close to the fire you see two large giant rats side by side to this very big a lanky, furrier, goblinoid of sorts, 
looks almost like a bear if it wasn't for the fact that it has more human features than not. With arms so elongated that easily almost reaches their knee. With leathery pieces of armor that he keeps on most of his body but not fully covering. He is already looking at you with what seems to be some sort of axe on one of their hands. The moment you guys go inside of the room, he says with an evil smile on his face. So be it. And kicks the brazier in front of you guys. The flare instinctively makes you guys avert your eyes. And with it, when you guys look back, the room is in complete darkness. And he is no longer visible. The rats and this Borloos is hidden somewhere in the room. Let's roll for the initiative. Mortis, please. I got a four. Seeker. 19. Born. 16. Methuselah. 12. Please, Cat, roll for me the d20. 17. That's perfect. Top of the round. Seeker. Alright, so I'm going to ready an action in case anything that is an enemy, not a friend, tries to attack me, I will stab them with my rapier. Next is Erky. Erky is also going to hold their turn. Make sure to cast a spell by holding their holy symbol. He's already praying in advance. And the red glow starts to emanate from within his hand. This creature lunges towards Methuselah. For a split second, Methuselah sees it. The creature flying. This huge mass of fur with two buck teeth that is ready to bite down into you. But you are easily able to step back in the heat of the moment. And the creature stops just beside you. One of the giant rats hits at you in the fight. Thorn, your turn. Thorn is going to relight the torch that he had. And now that light is in the room, Thorn is going to turn towards the rat that had just attacked Methuselah, and he wants to cast Infestation. So he raises his hands, and this orange light begins to glow as what can only be described as a swarm of butterflies start to flutter all around the rat. I need the rat to do a constitution saving throw. Does a tam pass? It does not. The rat will take three poison damage. These glowing butterflies start to flutter themselves all around, swarming the little rat. And as it does so, the rat hisses as it tries to defend itself. But instead, it only makes the butterflies attack more fiercely, causing the damage onto the rat. The rat also has to move five feet in a random direction that I will roll using a d4. So the rat has to move five feet south. It squeezes closer to Erky, who's behind Methuselah. I imagine that as the butterflies are attacking the rat in an attempt to escape the swarm, it like jumps backwards and ends up closer to Erky. And then these butterflies fade away into nothing. 
Erky sees the giant rat just getting closer to him as it's being swarmed by these glowing butterflies. He finishes his prayer and the, the halo of the sacred flame appears in its red light and then the pillar of sacred flame descends upon the giant rat. But the giant rat is so frantically trying to escape the butterflies that quickly steps faster than what Erky expected. And the flames just hits the ground. After casting the spell, Thorn feels that very strong laughter approaching them from the back of their being and then slowly overtaking. What is Thorn's last few thoughts? before he gets consumed by the craziness of Wild Thorn. Because Methuselah is closest to Thorn, he probably makes eye contact with him and opens his mouth to say something and then just like laughter comes out. Crazy, maniacal laughter of Wild Thorn is back. Thorn does a little dance in place probably, just happy to be here and then gets ready to keep fighting. Next is Methuselah. So once again, Methuselah takes out a very crusty pie crust. Where they're getting all of these really old pie crusts, we can never know. And as they crush it in their hand, they're going to say, to pie or not to pie, that is the question. And then it's going to glow with this blue color and start to sort of spin and grow larger and into a cube and then I'm going to throw it just in front of us which isn't really much of a throw, it's more like a eh, you know Um, as it becomes this cube and the fun zone is activated so as this cube is formed in the air there are these little droplets of molasses and it starts to get thicker and more viscous and it rains down on this space where the fun zone is activated as that whole entire area is no difficult terrain. Nice, nice. And then after that, I'm going to play a song on Yorick and it is going to be a first draft version of a song for Faith and I'm going to give Bardic inspiration to Seeker. Beautiful song, yet to be complete, but the first few verses, amazing. And that fills the heart of Seeker with inspiration. Oh, Methuselah, it sounds amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. Just as the fun zone is generated in front of you guys, lands at the shoulder of Seeker. A total of 14 slashing damage is inflicted on you as this attack is devastatingly close to your neck. Since I can see quite far into the room with dark vision, can I see where the guy would be attacking from? Like, as if he would have to stand up to throw the axe. Looking back, thinking of where the axe came from, you do see that very tall and lengthy body standing just behind one of the crates in the far back, beyond the light of the torch. As an incidental, I'm going to say to my companions, Ah, the strange hairy person is over there. 
I'm pointing in the direction where I saw him. You guys do now see Borlu's in the far distance as they run across the room. Not closer to you guys, but to what you think is another natural outgrowth of this game. And then breaks out of you. Next, one of the other giant rats just charges in. Ooh, speed. Closer to Seeker. But then, because of the fun zone, it's forced to stop their turn. Just close to Seeker, but not within combat range. I imagine the little rat is just like scampering as fast as he can, gets to the fun zone, and then the molasses starts to like cover it, and it just slows down. Basically. That is basically what happens. Next is Mortis. What do you do? Uh, instinctively, as soon as combat kicks off, Mortis is going to pull out his greatsword. That's, that's going to be his bonus action. As he sees Seeker take the hit, he scowls in the direction of where it came from. He's going to move towards Seeker. Don't worry, my friend. I'll patch you up. He's going to put a hand on their shoulder, and he's going to cast a Cure Wounds. As Mortis casts the spell, his hand sort of glows this red hue and it envelops all of Seeker's body. They heal four points of damage. After casting the spell, Mortis is going to shift Seeker and switch positions with them so that he's between them and the rat that was approaching. Thanks, Mortis. No worries. I, I just wish I could do more. You quickly take a position where Seeker was, so you're better positioned. When this rat gets close, you can just put the wrap of she on it. Top of the round, Seeker, your turn. Once again, Seeker is going to hold their action in case a non-friend slash ally approaches and they're going to stick him with the rapier. Erky is going to move themselves so they are closer to the rat so that someone else could take position behind the rat ready for play and at this moment he goes for an attack with his little club the makeshift piece of wood that he has been holding to defend himself since you guys found him just whacks in the very middle of the forehead of the giant rat whacks so well that the giant rat is disoriented for a few seconds bleeding starts to protrude out of the impacted area Although we never gave him a weapon. <laughs> We're just like, yeah, that piece of wood you got, you're fine. Do we have extra weapons? We do. Seekers saving their extra weapons for faith. Next is the giant rat that just got hit by Erky. Giant rat does the best that they can to defend themselves. And with a quick bite is able to dig in their buck teeth into the skin of Erky. He screams with the pain. Ah! Thankfully, it's not too, too much damage. Next is Thorn. After Thorn has composed himself from laughing, he's gonna look to where the rat is and he's gonna move into position to flank with Erky. With a sing-songy voice, he goes, This is going to be so much fun! And he starts to grow these fangs and claws as a blue light shines and he is using primal savagery to attack the rat. Do it with advantage because you're flanking the enemy. 30-20. That's a hit. Roll for the damage. Four as a damage. How do you want to do this? Thorn pounces 
on the rat and basically just bites into its neck as the acid starts to dissolve into its flesh. And then when he releases the rat, the acid has just caused the rat to die. Oh no, we don't eat rats anymore. <laughs> I thought we learned our lesson. Mortis is getting nom flashbacks. How many times do I have to teach you this lesson, young man? For a split second, it's the equivalent of if Thorn was mounting one of those mechanical balls as the creature tries their best to throw Thorn out of their back. Instead, unfortunately, after a few moments, they crumble to the ground, breathless and devoid of life. I just picture Erky witnessing this like, Jesus Christ. Pylirta! <laughs> Next is Methuselah. Methuselah is going to take Yorick and prepare to do a song. I am going to hold my action for when anyone in the general area where I saw Mr. Harry Man <laughs> go, I'm going to cast a spell as soon as anyone emerges. So now for the fun zone. The rat that is in it starts to smell the wonderful scents of blueberry pie. And I imagine like even starts to drool a bit as they get hungry and they do that little rat twitch nose thing, like, you know? So they need to do a wisdom save for me to defend against the irresistible smell of delicious pie. A sit. That fails. The rat is charmed by the smell of pie. It's irresistible. And they stay fixated with the potential of pie. So they stay still, sniffing the air, completely forgetting that you guys are there. Next is the creature's turn. Borloos. The hairy man. But there's no sign of the hairy man. And next, it is the rat's turn. They, they are fit stated with pie. Mortis, it is your turn. Mortis is going to raise his sword in front of him, and he's going to prepare an action to smack either the rat or just any other enemy that comes within his range. And with that, it is the top of the round. Seeker's turn. Seeker's going to step to the side and yeet their dagger towards the rat. That's going to be a 19 to hit. That's a hit. Roll for the damage. That's going to be seven piercing damage. You throw the dagger with speed. It hits right at the throat of the little creature as it is has its head up, smelling for pie. Instead, it only receives the sweet, sweet taste of death. <laughs> At least he died happy, all right? And sadly hungry. That is Erky. Erky looks around and goes, can't stay here. We're gonna get picked off. Are we moving forward or moving back? Well, I suppose we could go back or forward. It's whatever you want. Erky looks at the shape of the fun zone, and there is enough space for him to walk around and further into the cave. I'm gonna slowly move towards that box over there. He crouches down and takes the high range. You guys also notice that half of his head is poking out to the side of the box. It's not really doing a good job. Thorn, it is your turn. Thorn's gonna kind of look around at people still on guard and go, What is left? What is left? Well, there's a big hairy man out there. Not a big hairy man! Yes, he was quite hairy. Um, 
I think we're going to subdue him, not kill him. We want to question him. Where? Where? Where did you see him? I do not see any man. The last we saw was over there, and I point in the direction. And maybe, aside from questioning, we'll also get him some proper clothes. Thorn is going to look in the direction that Methuselah pointed, and he's going to prepare an action. The action he will prepare is Eldritch Blast. He is going to use the spell if he sees a big hairy man step out. Specifically that description. Some unrelated guy. <laughs> but like, hey guys. A yeti walks in. Methuselah, it is your turn. Methuselah is going to first move the fun zone into the middle of the room. So that's about, I believe it was 20 feet that I moved it. And as it moves, the air inside little chrysanthemums pop into existence. And as there's nothing in there right now, they just kind of hover in this space. As little stars within the air, chrysanthemums just orbit that little area with the glowing perimeter of the bundle. And then I'm gonna look to my companions and say, all right, you should be able to move past it. Just be careful. And then I am going to hold my action to also do a spell when I see somebody appear. As Methuselah just finished stelling you guys and you guys do see the fun zone getting away from you guys further into the cave and where the brazier once was. You guys just hear Methuselah finishing when out of nowhere, the huge furry man appears in the corner of the cave beside Mortis and is attacking. It's very long, elongated and hairy arm brings upwards the head of a morning star that impacts with the chin of Mortis. Really, really devastating attack as it pushes you upwards, doing a total and complete 22 points of piercing damage. Ouch. And now, your counterattacks. Mortis first. Uh, as Mortis gets smacked, he quickly shifts himself and tries to land an attack on the hairy beast. That is a 24. That is a hit roll for the damage. That is 14 damage. With a powerful counterattack, Mortis brings in the blade and digs deep into the shoulder of the enemy, cutting close to the middle of the chest. Thorn goes, ah, hairy man! That is an 18 to hit. That is another hit. Roll for the damage. Six force damage. A red glow shines and a blast of flowers hits the hairy creature right in the forehead. It hits the forehead and with a little explosion of petals, it knocks him back a little bit, creating a little bit more distance, but he's still engaged with Mortis, Methuselah. Methuselah is going to play a sorrowful song on Yorick and along the buttons, I should say, and the strings on the side, these dark shadows start to rise up from Yorick and spill out of his eyes as well. 
And then the shadows turn violet as in the air, the sound of hissing and laughter, and it just sort of rises and grows as Dissident Whispers is cast. I need a wisdom save. 16 cross. Passes, receives half damage. Six psychic damage. The power of your music emanates as the caller takes precedence and deepens the shadows around it. And with it, the shadows strikes true, connecting with the head of the enemy. And with it, a gush of blood starts to emanate from their eyes and nose and even spills out of their mouth a little. They drop to the ground, barely alive. They use half their movement to stand up slowly as they prepare themselves for whatever is to come next. Uh, as Mortis sees them slowly get up, he holds his sword at the ready and he says, Just stand down. You don't have to die for nothing. The hairy man looks at you, irritated, hateful glare, but he drops the mace. Good choice. Combat ended, and now you guys find yourselves in this cave with this creature in front of you. What do you guys do? Uh, well, should we tie him up so we can question him? I think that would be the best idea. Uh, he seems a, like a pretty slippery fella, if I'm not mistaken. I think you mean hairy fella. I don't know if hair increases someone's ability to be more slippery. Seeker doesn't have a response for that, actually. That is so foul. <laughs> Methuselah takes out these mandicles that have little fluff on the inside and they are very very worn Methuselah is gonna approach the hairy man ah uh, if you could put your hands behind your back so I could you know tie you up he just puts his very elongated arms to the back of his body thank you my friend and he's gonna go around and lock him in tight he's now cuffed Mortis puts his greatsword away and takes a step back. Well, what should we ask him? Well, I suppose I could go first. Hello, friend. I'm... My name is Methuselah. Ah, uh, I'm a bard. And you are... Oh, yes, we know your, your name is... Sorry, what was it again? Paulus. That's a wonderful <sighs> name. Wonderful. Yeah. He sits down. As he sits down, he finds it uncomfortable. So because of his very elongated arms, he kind of just curls his lower portion and then puts the arms in front of it. So, what's your job down here? <sighs> he stays quiet in the times. Do you know where Belak is? Growls at you and spits on the ground beside it. Well, we could make this a lot more fun if you want. And I'm going to look at everyone else. Step back for a moment. Morris gives Methuselah like a very concerned, skeptical look, but then he just does as he's told. Yeah, Thorn will just back up with a big grin on his face. Seeker is gonna back up and also sheathe their rapier, head tilted, not quite understanding what's going on. They've never seen handcuffs like this before, and they have questions. Erky steps back from behind a box and he goes, Methuselah, what are you doing? Don't worry about it. It's not bad. I don't think Methuselah's capable of doing anything bad. 
Mortis thinking back to shadow, giant <laughs> shadow creature murdering goblins. I'm going to cast the fun zone once more. So I'm taking out the pie crust in my mage hand, and I'm going to fly it right in the hairy man's face and just crush it. And I'm not even going to throw it. It's just going to kind of expand around him and just engulf him in the cube. Uh, what? What the hell? And the air within this cube becomes comical and cartoony. And even his form within it, if you're looking in, it becomes cartoony and weird looking. So I'm going to need a wisdom save. 13. Our hairy friend starts laughing crazily. (laughs) And he continues to laugh as much as possible, but their face is not matching the laughter as he is confused, but at the same time, what is going on? Then I'm going to say, I can keep on going with this. We can see what other fun things happen, or you can talk and be nice. He's just confused. And then the cartooniness fades away as suddenly it starts to droop inwards and molasses in huge globs just starts to fall on him and cover this poor hairy dude in sticky molasses. It's difficult to even move with so much molasses being just drenching over him. What what the hell are you doing with the... What? Is this molasses? Can I try using the magic to do an intimidation to get him to talk? Sure. Do you with advantage. 18. Uh, Fuck this. Uh, uh, Fine. Stop this fucking thing. Methuselah's gonna snap their mage hand and cease concentration and the spell is going to snap out. And the, the molasses evaporates quickly as well as the ones from his fur. Although, he does still feel uncomfortable because of it. And I'm gonna walk a step closer, clutch Yorick and say, I have heard you good and I'm not afraid to use it. He looks at you up and down and go, All right, fuck do you wanna know? I want you to answer my friend's question. Yeah, I know Belak. I know where he is. Where? In the grove, where it helps. Fucking druid. What were you doing here? What was your job? I'm his bodyguard. Uh, well, if you don't mind my saying, you don't seem to be doing such a very good job of that. He's not traveling, is he? Well, you're not with him, so... And while saying this, Seeker also realizes that technically they should be Faith's bodyguard, and then they just slowly shrink back. Listen here, sh- for fur. He is not traveling. He's not technically in danger. I wasn't even expecting pieces of shit like you to be here. What a tongue you have. Thorn will look at him and go, Does the druid go out of this place often? He did travel a long time ago. That's where I came in. Where does he like to go? Until we found this place, we were just traveling around. Apparently got kicked out from whatever his group of friends is. He needed somebody to accompany him, protect him. How did you and the druid meet? Found me on the road. I killed a freaking leopard or some sort of big cat that it was difficult to attack and it would 
appear and disappear in places. It was some of the weirdest shit I ever fought. He did a number on me. He found me on the side of the road and he healed me up. Told me that I could protect him. He would make sure that I wouldn't fall prey to stuff like that again. And what do you know about the druid's plans for the grove and the tree? I know he likes to take care of those trees. There's one in particular he loves. He stands around it like a freaking child to him. Follow-up question, my friend. Do you know anything about the apples of virtue? There it comes from his favorite tree. So they're real. Have you seen any of its supposed abilities to heal? Uh, sure. I don't use it. He never gave it to me. But I have seen on a goblin that hobgoblin uses every now and then. Seeker is gonna turn to Mortis and just ask, Uh, did Nera have a favorite tree? Oh, several. Okay, so that's normal for druids then. I still tend to them back in Lestri. That's so sweet. Is there anything else you all want to ask? So you serve this druid out of a sense of debt? Yeah, he keeps me fed. That all? He doesn't treat you well or compensate you in any way. What else do I need? Have my place. We take a portion of whatever the goblins take, and I have food. And I'm safe in here, or at least I was. Safety is relative. You're a pawn. A mere object in this sinister man's plan. You were never an ally to him. You're a blunt instrument. He's not my loyalty anyway. I'm just here until I'm okay with it. Well, you're lucky that it's us who defeated you. Because any other group of adventurers probably would have cut you down and walked away without a second thought. I'd have killed them. <laughs> You've clearly proven yourself incapable of killing anything. I suppose what my friend is uh, talking about is, have you ever considered a new line of employment? Yeah, sure. Just walk the fuck out of this place and I'll make sure to never be in this place again. Well, we're going to dispose of this druid first before we leave. So, I think your safety here and your, you know, line of food is probably going to be nil from the druid. Had a good run as it went. Not like I care for him. If you cross our paths again or impede us in any way, I will not hesitate to cut you down. Are we understood? And it smiles maliciously and goes, Don't worry. I'll make sure not to wake you up if I find you sleeping in the road. <laughs> Are we going to leave him here just tied up? That would be kind of funny. Well, I like the mandibles back, actually. Borlus just raises his very long arms towards you, continuing his smiling. I'm remaining at a bit of a distance as I let go of York and let the hands float over and unclasp him from the mandibles. As Methuselah is unchaining him, Mortis is going to lean down and pick up the Morning Star, and he's going to look over at Erky. Here, consolation. And he, like, gently tosses it over to him. Oh, and he grabs it, like, halfway through. Thank you. Yeah, actually, I should have grabbed the weapon by now. And then he glances back at the guy. Consider that payment for sparing your useless hide. I'll also say, as it happens, my mage head is going to give the guy a pat on the shoulder. 
He shoes the hand as best as he can. Uh, Methuselah, could I ask for a favor? Oh, yes, of course. Well, you know that dagger I threw at the rat? Yes. Would would your mage hand be able to get that back for me? Oh, certainly. Uh, do you know where it flew? Because it, my hands don't have eyes of their own, so, you know, I, I need to be able to see where they go. Seeker's gonna point to where the fun zone was with the rat that got the dagger stuck in the throat. Uh, it's just right over there. Let's just have my hand go and fetch it. The mage hand grabs and pulls the dagger. It takes a few moments, but then slowly it hovers towards Seeker with the dagger. Thank you so much, Methuselah. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I suppose we look down here. Do we want to head back? I think we can head back if everyone else is in agreement. Yes, let us go back. No one does not remember exactly what is going on. But yes, let's go back to where it is we will be going. We can explain it along the way. I've grown tired of this place. You guys do notice as Borluz stands up from his location. As you guys exit the cavern, the voice of Borluz echoing from the back. I'll make sure not to cut your throats if I find you on the road. As it is, if Belak doesn't feed you to his favorite tree. And then you just hear steps walking in the distance. The Necromantic Empire is an RPG podcast where we get a view of what it's like to be an NPC as they work for the evil boss trying to take over the world. Join us as we follow these employee—I mean spell components—from their new spell component orientation through their daily work regimen. The Necromantic Empire is available on Spotify, Apple, Audible, and more. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Reddit. Check us out on Patreon at Patreon.com/forward/slash/TimeOfYourHalfLife. We appreciate you. Unfortunately, you've reached the end of this episode of The Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, and be sure to catch the next installment of The Sunless Citadel every Thursday at 12pm EST. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support that goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts, and if you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon to join the conversation, view sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Corden from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast, and the world of Nosomundos was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern. Now take this bardic inspiration for your next adventure.